Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Boaz initiated it, but Ruth is saying, hey, I like you too. It's, it's mutual. That's what God desires with us. God says, hey, I love you guys. Demonstrated on the cross. I died on the cross. I love you. Absolutely love you. I love you with all your baggage. I love you with all your background. I love you to death. But it's us that got to say, we get to, re- we get to respond to that love. Do you, do you melt under the love of Christ? Do you submit under, do you, do you, do you make yourself subject to it? Or do you say, no, I don't want that. That's too, I don't want that right now. I don't want his love. I want something else. In today's message, Pastor Bill speaks about our ability to consent to God's love for us. Even if it's offered unconditionally, meaning that nothing can stop it or take it away, God still offers us the choice to not receive it if we don't want it. After all, is it really love if you don't have a choice? Pastor Bill compares this to Ruth's marriage to Boaz. Despite the hardship Ruth faced in her life, she still chose to reciprocate the love that Boaz had for her the same way she chose the love of God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. If you remember the state of Ruth and Naomi as, they, as they're coming back home, and you kind of got two pictures. You got Naomi, who's coming back to the Lord. Uh, she had went away from the Lord, went away from Bethlehem, Judah. She had gone away, but now she's coming back. You got Ruth, who was uh, in Moab, pagan, didn't even know God, didn't know anything about the God of Israel, who when she made the declaration, your God will be my God. She came to know the Lord. So you have two people in two different places. They had lost everything. They had both lost husbands. They were in Moab. Just nothing was going well for them. But as they come one to the Lord, one coming back to the Lord, everything, everything begun to turn around at that point. I believe that the same is true for us today. Um, I've seen it many times that someone would come to the Lord and everything turns around. Everything that was rotten, everything that was broken, everything that just wasn't working as they come to the Lord, um, that God's able to take broken things and turn them upright. I've seen people that have gone away from the Lord, but as they make their way back, as they come back to the Lord, God takes them back. God receives them back. He receives them to himself. God redeems that which was lost. And I'm, I'm so often looking at my life before Christ, looking at the mistakes, the errors, the things I did wrong and, and just the things that there'd be nothing to be proud of. And I'm amazed how that in Christ, God has turned those things around. God's made good out of even some things that were negative, even some things that were that were there was there was nothing good about them when they were done. But they've been redeemed. Those situations have been turned all the way around. So something I would throw out and question everybody here. Um, we're either in one of a few places. We're either walking with the Lord. Um, and so that we want to continue to be strengthened and grow in, or we need to come to the Lord, um, and, and begin a relationship, enter into a relationship with the Lord, or we need to come back to the Lord. And there are things that won't turn up until they won't turn upright until we do turn to him, until we turn to him, until we turn back to him, there are things that'll just be left, left out there. Anybody here that's walked away from the Lord for a time um, and come back, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it is for God to redeem and to restore and to fix as you come back to him. Um, But there are some things that God says until you come back. Nothing changed for Naomi until she came back. Every I think every day and every year in Moab stunk for her. Uh, It was just a, a bitter, painful, difficult season of her life. 
Um, but everything when she from the day like looked like the day she touched soil back home, everything kind of turned upright. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. You know, he, he, he thought he knew what he was doing. He was young and stupid. And he said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. And he took his inheritance. He went out and he partied and had a good old time. Then he was broke. Then his friends was left him. Then he was in the pigsty, want to eat the food that the pigs eat. He was just in a despicable state. And he finally comes to himself and he comes home. As he's making his way down the road to come home, the Bible says that, I mean, as he was on his way, the father saw him coming afar off. And the father ran out and fell on his neck and kissed him and received him and celebrated his return. Um, everything turned around when he got back home. There's something about coming to the Lord and something about coming back to the Lord. Some people don't come back to the Lord because they're ashamed. They feel they, they're, they're, they, they feel bad. The enemy, it's one of the things the enemy does in people's minds. It's like, man, you just need to come back. I can't go back. I've been, I messed up too bad. I, I did too much. And so they just stay out there longer and longer and longer. You can come back. Um, what sin is there for which Christ won't forgive? You know, just just the not coming to him, the continual rejection of his spirit. But if the, is there anything you've done that you couldn't come back and say, God, forgive me? God, I'm sorry. Receive me, please. I want to I want to be back. And there isn't that, that that sin doesn't. Exist. There's not a thing you could have done to where you would say, you know what? I want to come back to God. But I know when he sees I did that, that that he, the, the blood of Christ is not strong enough to wash away that that sin doesn't exist. And there are people that have not come to Christ um, because of the shame and the guilt of what they've done. But there isn't any sin that's been done. The blood of Christ, the Bible says, can cleanse us of all sins. We can come. He will redeem. He will purchase you by his blood. He will take any that come to him. He's taken. And so um, everything begins to be redeemed. Everything begins to be restored at this point. Um, Boaz, whose name means pillar, he he's a picture of Christ in the story of he's the redeeming person. He's the one that he initiated the relationship. He pursued first. He's the one that's moving uh, to redeem. When you think about what it is to be redeemed, it's purchasing something. It's purchasing. This belongs to someone else right now, but I'm purchasing it back. I'm purchasing back the possession. When the Bible speaks of God redeeming you and me, who do you belong to before he redeems you? Was that Satan? Some people don't know that. But until you come to Christ, until you till you say, yes, Lord, you actually belong to the devil. You're his. You belong to the murderer, to the thief, to the liar. You belong to the destroyer. You belong to him. And it's him who Christ purchases you from. You've been redeemed for everybody that's saved in this room. You've been redeemed. God bought you back. Now you belong to the Lord. Now Satan doesn't have free reign, free access to your life. You belong to God. God is your dad. He's your Lord. He's your savior. He's your God, but he's your dad. He's your savior. But you belong to him. You've been purchased by his blood. Um, you belong to Christ. You've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That's what that means. He purchased you back to himself. Now you're his. And he's not giving you back. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to give you back over. You belong to him now. Purchased you. Cost him a lot. Cost him everything. Cost him his life. But he paid it. And so. As I look at this story of redemption, I'm reminded of our story of redemption. Uh, what God paid for you and me, that now we belong to him. And the same is true. As I look at, you know, Ruth and Naomi and, and just what they were dealing with as they needed to be redeemed. They needed, they needed redemption. They needed things repaired and fixed. I think about any, any life apart from God. As God redeems that life and brings it to himself. Uh, now there's covering. Now there's protection. Now there's his lordship. Now there's the, the hope of heaven. Now there's a promise of ongoing interaction, relationship with the Lord. There's covering. Um, we, we've been purchased by him. We're, we're, we come under his covering. 
In the same way that they, you know, Boaz said of Ruth that you've come under the Lord's covering. You've come under him for protection. We, we've come under the Lord in that way. Um, just been redeemed. The things that, that I couldn't handle, they've been handled by him. Um, the land that Ruth and Naomi, they couldn't redeem it back. He did it for them. He paid all the price. They receive all the benefit. That's how it went for you and me. Jesus paid all the price. We receive all the benefit. Um, would it have been crazy if Ruth had said, I don't I don't I don't like you, Boaz. I don't want I don't want you. I mean, as you read the story, you look at Boaz and who he was and everything else. What if Ruth had looked at Boaz and said, oh, he's not my type. You know what I'm saying? I don't really like how you living. You know, I just I mean, she had that. She could have said, I don't I don't I don't necessarily want to be with you. You're too old. Or, you know, she it could have been a number of different things. But as we read the story as it is, we think now, wow, that would be foolish. That would be foolish to not go with what God is doing. But that's what we do. I did that when I was 16. I had the opportunity to be saved when I was 16. First time I ever heard the gospel, experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit, understood in that moment that God was trying to reach out to me. And I mindfully, consciously, willfully said, nah, I don't want to do it. I remember it. I remember going to a church with my brother for my mom. I was, I was, it was, we were doing something for my mom's birthday to show her that we were friends, me and my brother, we get along. And I went to this church in Inglewood. It's still there. It was a youth night. I went to the thing. I sat through the message. And I, I don't remember ever having heard the gospel before that point. But I remember hearing it. I, I felt convicted. I, I remember I, I was sitting in my chair. I experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit. As soon as the guy gave an altar call, I was like, all right, I need to go. I got up and I went down to the altar call. God was touching me. He was convicting me. I went in the back and I prayed with the guy. And I remember, I'll never forget, I remember going home in my room. The night was over. I'm just standing in my bedroom. And when I look out this way in my bedroom, there's a big window that looks like a mirror at night. And I sat there. I stood in that mirror and I thought, I thought it through. I thought about what it was going to cost me. I look like I have my little girlfriend. I got my little things I do to make money. I got my little friends, my little partying. And I'm like, I can't do this. And I just sat there and discussed it with myself and said, I'm not doing it. And I didn't. I re- I re- at that moment, that night, I rejected Jesus Christ and Lord of my life. I praise God. I didn't die before that. I praise God. There was mercy to keep me at that point. God had reached out. He had opened my eyes. He had he had made it known. I cannot say that I ever had experienced that or seen it that clear before. I thank God I didn't die. It was a three year stretch, 16 to 19, when I finally got saved when I was 19. But I believe if I died in that window, I had willfully rejected. I had said, Jesus, I don't want you. I don't want this. What what this life is going to cost me. Forget about what you paid. What this life might cost me and my little popularity and my friends and my whatever, I said, I don't want it. And he gave me, I had free will. He let me walk away. And I would look at those next three years and I just about ruined my life in those three years. Uh, Fully addicted to alcohol, made a baby, did a whole lot of other things I wish I can go back and undo. Um, But I thank God that he was merciful, you know. So I would look at this and think, Ruth would be crazy to turn him down trying to redeem her, willing to pay the purchase price to redeem back land and all these other things. But we have a kinsman redeemer greater than Boaz that's trying to redeem us from something greater than loss of land, greater than that. It's in the same thing as she's going to enter into a marriage. What we enter into with Jesus Christ, the Bible calls it a marriage and we become the bride of Christ. It's the same thing that Christ is inviting you and I into, into a love relationship with him where he wants to redeem us to himself. But we can say, I don't want that. 
We, we have that right. He gives us that space. Uh, I wish I wish there was some other way. I, I hate to see lost people. I wish there was. I, God, I was there some other way to preach the gospel. If you could choke people into getting saved, I'll perfect the art of choking people. I just be walking around choking all my friends. You know, just are you saved yet? I'll choke you right quick. You know, but God says, no, I want I, I'm, it's a love relationship. That, that we're entering into. It's like a marriage, just like this beautiful thing we've seen happen between Ruth and Boaz. They're choosing each other, right? Boaz initiated it, but Ruth is saying, hey, I like you too. It's, it's mutual. That's what God desires with us. God says, hey, I love you guys. Demonstrated on the cross. I died on the cross. I love you. Absolutely love you. I love you with all your baggage. I love you with all your background. I love you to death. But it's us that got to say we get to we get to respond to that love. Do you do you melt under the love of Christ? Do you submit under? Do you do you do you make yourself subject to it? Or do you say, no, I don't want that. That's too much. I don't want that right now. I don't want his love. I want something else. We have that option. Um, Not wise to take that option, but we do have it. So, uh, again, um, on this day, there, there are witnesses present. Verse 11 says, and all the people who are at the gate. And the elder said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. So this is a cool thing. And I guess I'll speak a little bit about marriages and people coming together. Um, Typically, and I've talked about this a little bit as we talk to you single people, um, as we've gone through the book of, of Ruth. Um, there's a community gathering here and they're all saying yes and amen. They say we are witnesses and they're actually speaking blessing. They said, may your house be like, may you guys be like Rachel and Leah. Anybody remember what Rachel and Leah did for you guys who went through Genesis with us? They had a baby making contest. You guys remember that? They were just going, they were just baby, baby, baby. They were just throwing babies. They made, they, all the, 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 the tribes came out of these two. I mean, they, they went at it. They said, may you guys be blessed. Oh, may, may it go down when y'all get home. May you guys bring forth fruit. May you guys be like the, the marriages at Calvary Chapel Inglewood, you know. Uh, they said, may, may you guys bring forth lots of babies, you know. And, but this is important, right? The community wasn't there saying, I don't think this is a good idea. Uh, Ruth, I don't think you know Boaz real good. You know, he be beating on people. You know, um, they're not saying, you know, they're 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 both in great standing in their community. Um, the people that are there, they they have had great things to say about Ruth. They said, man, she is a, a, a virtuous woman. That's the that's the, the opinion of the people where she lives that they have observed her life. They're saying, man, this is a virtuous woman. And they got great things to say about Boaz and the community is together. And they're here. They're saying we are witnesses today. God bless this thing. I discourage people from in engaging or even considering a, a marriage scenario where things have got to be secretive. Why you got to be a secret? This should be in the light. If, if it's good, everybody that's good should be able to say, hey, get with that's Amen. Let's get to the altar with y'all. You know, it should be something that could be celebrated uh, among the community of believers. Um you know, and I, I, we talked about this a few different times. I brought it up. But, you know, the, we, we are in a culture right now where just online dating is it's I'll be seeing commercials left and right. You know, I was looking at TV, my son, dad, what does that mean? You know, um, they're giving statistics and, and it's it's one of the ways today that people get together. Let's meet on. We, I met online. Um, I'm, I'm not ready to condemn it altogether. I, you know, I, there's, there's a weakness in it. If you meet somebody online and you only interact online. And you never come to the place where, you know, where's the community saying this is a good guy? 
Where's his, you know, where's his church family saying, hey, this, this brother is a good brother. He's been in standing here for this long. Where's that at? You know, you got just all this, you know, if all you know about him or all you know about her is what they sat down and typed. Um, that's scary. You know, that's a scary. I, I, you know, I, I, I could be white, blonde haired, six foot with a six pack online. But y'all looking at me, you know, this is not true. You know, it's not none of it's true. It's not what I am, but I could be that online. You know, there's a weakness in that. Um, there's a weakness even if you just meet somebody on the fly. Um, but you, you know, you can't come into my community. Why can't I meet your family? How come I can't? How come I never get to be around any of your people? How come I'm a secret? How come I? That should that should concern you. Um, that should be a concern. Right? Should be able to be wide open. They're right here, wide open. Ain't no secrets. Everybody's out there. The community's present. Everybody say, "Yeah, you're witnessing to what's going on." No secrets here. It's a blessing, uh, and it's a witness, and it's a testimony for everybody there watching. Everybody's enjoying the blessing that God is bringing upon these people here. So they say, hey, may may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who uh, built the house of Israel, that you may prosper in Ephrathab and be famous in Bethlehem. Um, I, I should point this out. Well, well, we'll talk about it. We'll come back to that. Verse 12. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore in Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give uh, will give from this young woman. And so they're again, the community speaking blessing They're They're saying, hey, we may, looking forward to these people having babies and having offspring and children. And then look at verse 13. This is important. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Um, just want to point out something that some people might miss. There's an order of events here. Um, they met. Um, they decided that they were interested um, there was a brief courtship process. There is a marriage ceremony. Then he went into her. Everybody know what that means? Everybody, that's, that's, that's Bible for they did what married folk do. You know, they had marital relations. That's what the, when it's the Bible says he went into her, they, 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 they made a baby. And, and there's, there's fruit that came from it. So I just would point out, because we live in a time. Uh, we live in a time, we live in a culture where this isn't the norm. Um, our culture encourages people to to, to test drive, uh, you know, to be involved sexually before marriage. Um, there are people that think it's laughable uh, to suggest that two people should wait until they get married to engage in sexual activity. But um, and I'm just, you know, I'll speak with you guys first from the Bible, uh, then from just reality, the, the Bible knows only that sort of relationship as blessed of God and condoned by God. Um, that's it. If, if, if I'm a Christian, if someone's, if you guys are believers, if you're single and you say, I love the Lord, Jesus, Lord of my life, that's the relationship God's ordained. One where God's called you to relationship, you sought him about it, you pursue it in him, you enter in in him, and sex begins after marriage. Um, it's not something you, you do before you get married. Um, sex before marriage, what's that called, you guys? Fornication. It's a sin. Um, it says in Galatians that anyone who practices this will not inherit the kingdom. So if that's a, a, a lifestyle that you're living, rather you go to church or not, rather you, you know, pray the prayer or not, if you live a lifestyle of habitual fornication, God says you're not going to inherit the kingdom like that. Um, that's, that's not the lifestyle of the believer. Um, so for Christians, God is saying, look, I, I you know, I, I bless marriage. God made sex. 
So his sex is good because God made it good. All the pieces and parts that happen in a person's body for sex to happen, for there to be pleasure, for there to be procreation, for there, God made all that in his magnificence. He said, but I bless it in marriage. The very thing I come, he commands married couples to partake. If you're a married couple, you are commanded by God to do it regularly. First Corinthians seven, three through five. You can read it. Um, command you get do do this on a regular basis. It's a red flag if you're married and there's not ongoing sexual. That's a problem. That's not okay. So anybody here that's married, if, 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 nothing, if nothing is medically wrong, and it's not an ongoing thing, that's wrong. It's just supposed to be a normal, regular part of a marital relationship. Amen. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> All right. The men said it louder. All right. So, but um, but the very same thing. God would say outside of marriage, God would say, don't do that. It's a sin. It'll ruin you. Um, And this is what happens. Typically, people enter into physical relationship outside of marriage. They get emotionally wrapped up in something that now when you can see that this isn't good, you're too invested. I'm giving my body away. Now there's a connection that happens with sexual things. And now it's it's too hard to imagine life without this person, even though they're going upside your head. Um, to imagine life without this person, even though now you realize they're not really what you thought they were, it's like you're trapped. It's amazing how you remove sex from the, the uh, equation and you can walk away at a point. You can say, you know what? I don't like that no more. I'm gone. And, and you don't have to break down. You don't have to, <laughs> you have, to have a month of, of, of whatever. You just go walk. But for some people, they've entered into something. They've gone way beyond what God said they should do. And now they're trapped by their own sin. Um, It's hard to break away from. You feel married to someone you're not married to. You're acting married to someone you're not married to. And so it's keeping you in a place where you habitually sin against God for that person. That person's like your God. That's why God says don't do it. Um, Again, you take two people that are not having sex, just much greater discernment. Rather not, this is of God. There's there, that element has not come in. Um, there is something uh, spiritual and physical that happens within sexual intercourse. that It does bond couples together. That's why God says when you get married, do it all the time. You know, after you, you guys getting on each other's nerves and go in the bedroom, go make up, you know, and then they just bond you right back together. I love you. You know, it fix everything. God did that. He knew that that's what happens. But you, again, you take this outside of marriage and now. You know, you be at church and God is saying, leave them, get away. This is sin. And you're like, yes, but you're all wrapped up. So for you, it'll be difficult, but you need to break away. If that's you and you're in an ongoing thing like that, know that that's just you're just just ripping your soul out. Um, Notice the order here. They they they've come together in a godly way. The courtship was godly. Nothing, nothing freaky or nasty or inappropriate has gone on up until this point. Um, the things that are attractive to Boaz about Ruth are her character. His, he said, man, everybody knows you're a virtuous woman. He's looking at her spiritual character and everything else. Everything that Ruth knows about him. Same thing. He's a man of integrity. He's an upstanding man. Um, everybody recognizes him as such in this community. Um, there isn't the other aspect of the relationship yet. That'll come later. Um, but they've fallen in love with each other. They, they've not say fallen in love. They, they've come to love and care for and, 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 and genuinely like one another. God will add that cherry on top after the marriage ceremony. So, uh, so I strongly encourage all my married, all my single couples um, or single people. If you're single, you're not a couple yet. Um, 
do it God's way. Don't, 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 don't think that you can do it the way everybody else is doing it and have God's blessing. Do it God's way. We all know the story of Ruth. She and Orpah were daughters-in-law of Naomi. When all three of their husbands died, the grief-stricken Naomi decides to return to her homeland of Israel, and her daughters-in-law were set to go with her. When she told them to stay, Orpah did. But Ruth refused, faithfully following her mother-in-law to a new land. Each woman made their choice, but one choice led to obscurity, and the other to honor and a place in the genealogy of the king. But the thing is, no one would have blamed Orpah for remaining in her homeland. She was a young woman who had recently been widowed, and to go with Naomi would mean giving up her culture and her home, a move that would have added immense stress and strain to her grief. Take a look at your life. You might be struggling with grief yourself right now. No one will blame you for taking all the time you need. But is there an opportunity in front of you to say yes? Is there an opportunity to be faithful to someone or something outside yourself? You can hold back and play it safe, or you could reach for something greater. We love going through the book of Ruth with you here on A Transforming Word. Join us in person at 9 or 11 every Sunday at Calvary Chapel Inglewood, or online on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. Head over to our website at calvaryinglewood.org for more messages, information on how to support this ministry, or to join our daily Bible reading plan. We're out of time for today, but be sure to join us again next time for another Transforming Word.